0: Welcome to commercial property podcast. My name is Helen Tarrant. I'm an author. I am an educator and I am a specialist commercial property bias agent. Now in this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you specialist strategies and terminologies and live case studies on how you too can achieve financial freedom through commercial property. Now, if you are looking to buy your first commercial property, want to find out more information to see if commercial property is right for you, or you want to expand your portfolio to two or three commercial properties or even more, then this is the podcast for you. I will be sharing with you live case studies, the journey of my clients and students, and also how we're putting deals together. So relax, listen in, and enjoy the process. Join
1: me as we learn about property ownership titles, how to clarify what they all mean once and for all so you're not caught out purchasing a property with an unfavorable title, which titles to watch out for, which to avoid, and the differences between them all. So, hello and welcome to today's podcast on commercial property cash flow with Helen Tarrant. Welcome, Helen. Thank you, Namiki. Glad to be back again. Yeah, it's so so exciting to have you again. I know we're covering some really important topics on this particular podcast. Um, We've had a discussion just before jumping on and I know that you see a lot of um, investors coming into... Uh, commercial property, getting a little bit confused about certain property ownership and titles because there's different types in the commercial arena and there's one that's particularly hard to sell. It gets a little bit messy and I know you're going to sort of warn everyone about that. So uh, let's dive in. Where did you want to start in particular when it comes to either the strata, the freehold, freestanding or the community titles? So I'll, I'll let you take the reins and, and we'll follow in.
0: Okay, so um, there is, a, I get a, a fair few of emails about people sending me through uh, motels, hotels as firstly, or then they, they also then want to be part of buying a property with someone else, which is also fine, but then they want to be part of buying something with other people as a group, or they want to be buying into a scheme. So, there's multiple ways of ownership and I kind of felt this was an important topic because firstly, it impacts on lending, Mm -hmm. secondly, impacts on you selling in the future and thirdly, it impacts you in terms of your returns as well and how much is passive income and how much of that is going to be active income. Mm -hmm. So, that's why I thought it was a really good topic to actually cover Uh, and so, let's just sort of start out and, and start with the simpler terms. And then we'll go down a little bit deeper. So there is what we call freehold property, which really in real estate, whether it's a residential or commercial, it's the same thing. You've got your freehold property, which is what you own the title, clear, clear title. Um, and eventually almost everything we buy in property in Australia is freehold property. Um, but, we have what's also on the other side called leasehold properties. So leasehold properties are land that's owned by the government or the crown, as they call it. So these are typical properties at any major area. So the Darling Harbour, Circular Quay Foreshore in Sydney, uh, the airports in you know Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, uh, Canberra, all of Canberra is leasehold property. So what that means is you don't actually own the land, you own a lease over the land and that's typical anywhere from 77 years 99 years so a long it's a long longevity lease it's as if you own it and you pay a nominal fee the nominal fee can be as much as a dollar or it can be a hundred dollars a year so it's very very nominal Mm um it's almost like an addition to your what you call your council rates so that's the two main things um freehold itself you know it's going to be 90 percent of what most people look at And that's mainly, you know, you can almost pick it anywhere you buy. It's going to be a freehold. So that's not going to be a major issue. Um, Where I see where people trip up on this is where they look at a motel or a hotel or a pub. And they are thinking, I want to buy that because it has such a high return. And somewhere on real commercial, commercial real estate, they're actually advertised as, you know, 30, can be up to a 30% return on investment. Mm. And people get that mixed up and think, okay, well, that's my cash return. It actually, you've got to make the, the distinction whether you actually buy the freehold, which is the property itself on the land or you're buying the leasehold, which is the lease of the pub that's on the land. And a lot of people don't make that distinction. So they think that the 30% ROI is actually based on the freehold, which is the property, where it's actually the leasehold. Okay. Interesting. I'm already... Getting a little
1: confused, so could you dive a bit deeper into what the leasehold part of, say, a motel or hotel might be and why you usually sort of recommend for us to stay away from it? Um,
0: so what normally happens is you have someone who comes along and bills, buys the land and builds a pub or a hotel or a motel. Now, they own the freehold of that. But then in order to get an operator to operate in there, obviously an operator will not just want to take up a lease for three or five years to fit out a motel or to even get you know invested in, in something like that. It's a huge capital outlay. But um, to build up this clientele awareness, this is a 3-5, you know, long-term project. So most of the leaseholds that come into pubs and hotels are longevity. They're minimum 10 years. Often I see them at 20, 25, 30 years. Okay. So they essentially take a lease, what they call a lease, over the whole land, over the property, over everything that's attached to it. So then they can do extensions and expansions in the future. So, um, but then they operate their business as a pub and hotel operator. And the lease that they have is called a lease hold. Mm-hmm. So they will, when they want to sell the pub and, and the hotel or the motel, they advertise it you know, as a, as a business for sale. But because it's technically a business for sale and they have a lease over the land and everything else, um, they are also listed on real commercial commercial real estate
1: mm-hmm. so
0: people often get that confused they think they're buying something that is going to give them 30 percent roi where it really they're buying a business which means <laughs> okay. that they can they're buying a hotel or a motel where they have to physically operate in it
1: goodness okay um, so it's not disti- it's not distinguished online it's not distinguished
0: enough. okay a lot of times people get confused by that especially if it's an owner occupier so sometimes to make this even more confusing for, <laughs> for someone to identify it is that an owner occupier say that they bought the land built the motel or the hotel or the pub and then they occupied it for 10 years mm-hmm. or 20 years they build up the business then they want to sell it yeah. they're selling the freehold with the lease as well yeah so they're selling that or all they might be saying we're selling the property and we're selling the property with a 30% return on investment. And most people go, oh, well, that's a really great deal. But except the thing is they're selling the actual property. Yeah, the business. Um, and, that, and the business that's attached to it as yeah. well. So you're yeah. getting two in one. But the problem is um, upon the sale, the actual owner, or the operator actually vacates. So you're having, you actually end up with zero ROI on this property unless you can get a property manager in there or an operator in there.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and so it's, that's it's, where I
0: see the mistake comes in
1: yeah I understand sorry it, it's a bundle deal and most people don't see it as a bundle deal because it's not um made clear enough on the commercial real estate websites. so that um that confusion lies there have you seen people make mistakes where they've actually made the investment and then realize they have to run a hotel or a, or a pub
0: well a lot of our students ask me about it and I have to point out to them that in this circumstance um it's they'll have to be able to willing to put a manager in and operate the hotel. Yeah. And that's where they go. Oh, I see the difference. So yeah. I find them I'm explaining that. And which is one of the reasons I thought it'd be interesting to talk about the podcast. Cause I'm sure the wider audience also get into um, this as well and, and find it uh, tricky to understand.
1: Yeah. I, I completely see why and how, and I think you've clarified it. Is there anything else you wanted to, to mention?
0: Yeah, also with this is that uh, there is a – the LVR, so the loan-to-valuation ratio also drops to 50% or 55% because it's a specialist lend for the bank. Okay. So that's also something to be aware of as well. Okay, so banks don't look as favourably on those types of
1: um, investments and, yeah, you've got to put up a 50% deposit for it, okay?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with leasehold in general just a comment regarding leasehold in general mm-hmm. um, it's the banks will lend on a leasehold property so you're buying in canberra you're buying in the, the, the airport area in brisbane uh, the bank will lend on a leasehold property but what you'll find is that to sell in an area other than canberra uh, it would be or act sorry act um, it will be a lot harder most people have a preference for f- freehold land Mm -hmm. over leasehold land so you will have to sell at a higher yield to attract an investor in there or or not um so remember that the pool of people buying it will be much smaller so again i do see people get trapped into uh buying something that they see is got a high yield but uh but then the leasehold itself doesn't it doesn't seem to matter because the bank will lend to it Uh, but then they realise that when they resell, they also have to sell at a higher yield as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's the most valuable tip for anyone looking at freehold, that um, that's, yeah, that, that's the structure around, you know, the, the market in terms of their, you know, interest and demand. Thank you so much for sharing that one. Yeah, that's going to help a lot of our listeners uh, prevent them from making any um, incorrect assumptions about leasehold property if they buy hold and then try to sell later down the track.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if that that sort of that's one that's one part of it. That's a major part of it. The other thing now, moving on to the next bit that we'll drill down from freehold is regarding strata title and freestanding. Mm-hmm. So they're both freehold land, but one is strata titled and the other one's what we call freestanding property. Um, so just think of an apartment versus a house. An apartment is strata or body corporate, as you would say, it you might call it, um, and freestanding as a house. So that's really, if you could, those are the two distinctions. Now with uh, strata titles, you are part of, you get your own title, you get your own a certificate of title and with that title you know it's it, you buy and sell in the open market as, as if it's property. it's just part of a body corporate it's governed by a body corporate which means there's some rules that you need to abide by um you're within a larger complex which means that you guys all put into a pot for maintenance you put into a pot for administration of the building and that ultimately everyone benefits from it. So just think of it buying as buying into a community or as buying into a group as well, in that mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so with that, the due diligence is a little bit different. You will need to do a strata search and I can't r- recommend highly enough to find a strata search agent because they do know what, what they're looking for. The main thing is they need to, look, to know what they're looking for and most of that is regarding around capital costs um, or potential capital costs. Um, also history of maintenance of the property and anything else to do with um, any of the structural issues or waterproofing issues for the property. So I think that's, um, that's pretty much strata in, in a nutshell. If you're doing freestanding, that's really, really simple. Everything in terms of freestanding is more governed by the council over a strata. So if you think you're doing an extension on the property, or if you're thinking of renovating the property or changing the facade of the property at the front of it, um, not the inside, but just the front of it, you will have to apply to strata, whereas in a strata comp, I'm sorry, you have to apply to council, whereas in a strata title, you'll have to apply to strata to change these things. And for freestanding, you'll need to get a PESTA building report to look at the structure of the property as well. So okay. the difference is apartment versus house. So, a strata usually is a retail office space typically now you can get smaller warehouses versus a freestanding building so a whole building on its own
1: yeah beautiful analogy and um, two very important aspects so um, i think i think that getting a, an agent to do a proper strata search is absolutely invaluable um, as you said, they know what they're looking for. So, again, for listeners, not knowing, that's a, a, a valuable tip Helen's given us. Um, and the freestanding, it's really the council that governs those changes and a pest and building report is the most important thing to do there too. So um, two distinctions, and I loved your analogy, the, the house versus the townhouse. Yeah, but you can sort of visualise that or the apartment um, and visualise the difference between a strata building or strata investment versus your freestanding building um are there any particular um advantages to one or the other or is it just a matter of what suits each investor
0: look i think it's what suits each investor but most of it is around price point because right now if you're looking at the metro areas of sydney and melbourne you're not likely to be able to buy something that is freestanding for less than probably two million Mm dollars so if any, if you're below that you are going to be with a strata title so it's yeah that's also helps for someone looking um at at buying or getting into commercial for the first time you're looking at look how much can i afford as my first property then obviously if you are buying something under two million which most of us are um then and you want to buy in a metro area like new melbourne then you're going to be up for then you know you're going to be buying strata titled property mm-hmm. yep. so that will help you in terms of your research makes total sense Beautiful. yeah so that's um uh, yeah and then i think there's one thing to to to, to flag now uh, around ownership as well because we're in this modern age of um looking at new ways of ownership where we now see people come together and they don't have to be traditional business partners. Uh, they can be people they've just met through a community. Uh, they can be people part of a syndication. They can be people part of um, a fund. Um, they're all coming in together to own property. So there's now lots and lots of different ways of being able to own property. So just a few things to just sort of talk about. Firstly, um, we we have, and this is just a little bit of a history and not to confuse anyone. Um, we have what we call a company title. And this is an old system, old way of owning property where it's it's not very common now, um, but in parts of Queensland and in New South Wales, you still have um, company title. And company title means that you actually don't own, you don't have ownership of the property per se. The property itself is owned under one scheme mm-hmm. and you own a part ownership of it, you know, as if it's one-eighth of it or one-twelfth of it. Right. Okay. And therefore, for you to buy in, you're buying into a share of that company title. So, you don't get the whole title. You get a share of that. Okay. And you can – and again, this is very, very difficult for resale and difficult for lending because banks at this moment don't really like things that are complicated titles where if they have to sell you up, you can see that there's a difficulty where you only own one twelfth of a property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although you might be buying one unit in a 12 unit block and one office space in a 12 unit block, but because it's set up under that scheme, Yeah, you are technically only own one twelfth of it.
1: Yeah, okay, and the obviously the bank will see it differently, and technically that is a different
0: type of ownership. Really, it's a different type of ownership, and um, I do sort of see it in um, in Queensland, parts of Queensland, and in New South Wales as well. So just when you and and the the contract will actually state that it's a company title, often agents won't know the difference of it, Um, so it won't be flagged. On, on an advertising, it won't be even flagged in your know, information memorandums or even in a lease. Oh, wow. Uh, okay. So when it comes to the contract, that's where it, come, it can show up. Okay. Sorry, so, you- um, so that's where things, then you realise, oh, look, it's, it's a company title. And some, some agents are aware of it, but, you know, you could be dealing with someone who's new and have no idea what it is as well.
1: Okay, that's huge then. So really the only time you're likely to come up with it if the agent's unaware of it is on the contract. And until you've got a contract to cite, you don't know what you're dealing with.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, look, it's very rare, but it does come up. Uh, okay. I had an email recently about someone wanted to buy into a part share and that was, again, when I looked into it, I said, look, it's it's a company title and that's going to create issues in terms of lending. But resell is the, the thing that is most worrying of that. Yeah,
1: of course. Because yep. most
0: people don't understand. And it gets phased out. It's it, To go from a company title back to what we call free freehold title or torrents title, which is the correct legal term for it, um, there is a, a bit of an extensive cost. You have to sort of backtrack all of the ownership, in the past until when the property was first became into existence mm-hmm. um which could be in the ballpark of 20 30 40 or fifty thousand dollars, because you have to get someone to search all of that then lodge all of this with the land titles office <laughs> okay <laughs> all those yeah. things yep yeah. yeah.
1: so it's it's a significant cost to the owners and um will take some time so and it depends on who the existing owners still are if they're part of the original group for any reason or descendants they might just want to stay with it so basically those properties could be problematic um and a good idea to maybe stay away from them
0: yeah yeah Yeah. that's the other thing yeah um the the um there's another the thing that I just wanted to, to just point out, which is not very common in commercial, but it is quite common in residential. But just touch on it a little bit is that in there is a thing what they call community titles, right. um, which is very similar to strata title. So if you get a strata title, you think it's a strata title, but it's a community title. Uh, there's very, it's very very similar. Um, they will, you will still engage it, or I guess a strata search agent that they can search the community titles history um, but instead of it, it's more around land boundaries and common areas and it might be because it's set up because it was quite a simple let's just say you had a piece of land and you divide it into four and there's four warehouses on it the best easier way to do that rather than strata title it might be it's a community community mm-hmm. title. Because it's four simple boundaries by land, and then it can operate almost as a freehold, freestanding property. Okay. On its own, okay. so it, and it's just more the around the land sort of boundaries. That's not going to cause a major issue, uh, but it will come up from time to time. And but it is more in residential than it is in commercial. But okay. if you do see it, that's the only time I've seen it is where they have a large piece of land and they ended up with you know, two or three warehouses on there and they've just thought, okay, that's the easiest way to do it and the cheapest way to do it as well right. in terms of long-term costs. Yeah. And
1: are there any complications in getting loans for that or selling that later on as well?
0: No, it would it, it operates almost like a strata title the way that the bank treats it. Okay. okay yeah, so unless there's any adverse things, unless there's anything adverse in the constitution or, or the, I guess the guidelines, there, there's not likely to be any issues. Okay. Yeah. So that's, um, that's, that sort of effectively covers the bulk of the type of things that most people are going to be coming into um, are buying into, especially when you're looking at loans and everything. The only other thing I would touch on is some of the new things that's coming into the market. So we've now seen fractional ownership. We've also seen things like Bricks, which is their company that allows people to like fractional ownership, but they like more of a unit, unit buying a unit on a micro unit as part of a part of a residential development or a residential property, a large format residential property. So some of these they're all much very much linked into uh, fintech, so financial technology at the moment okay, right. um, which allows the everyday mums and dad to almost invest in property with rather than a hundred thousand dollars they could start with something as little as you know um, thirty forty dollars per unit so and also all fractional ownership can be somewhere like uh, ten twenty thousand dollars okay so so you but effective with that there is no lending It is pure cash purchase and you're owning a unit as part of a whole lot.
1: You're owning a a unit unit of of, um, value of that property.
0: Yes. So there will be a unit price and it's almost like a tradable, like as if you're doing it on the stock market. So in the stock exchange, you you buy a share and that's whatever that price is on the day. It's, It's that kind of ownership. In property, I can. I've seen that trend come come in at the moment. Okay. Is like you buying a unit in. Let's just say that you're going to buy an apartment block, and the apartment block has a thousand units to own the apartment block, and each of that thousand unit is um, ten thousand dollars per unit. Yep. So you put in ten thousand dollars, you get one unit. That's part of an ownership. Yeah, own part of that. Yeah, um, but you don't own you don't own the actual property, like you can't go and move into it. Um, you, you might get some, there might be some kind of return. There might be a capital return in the future, might be a cash flow return um, based on whatever's been on offer. But what, or um, you'll find is you're not going to be able to get lending for that. So you're okay. putting in cash, and once, and then it's, you need to work along how they look at cashing out or redemption points. In, in that unit so you might not be able to redeem for you know three years until the development's finished or two years until you know this particular project or uplift has been done so that's what i'm seeing at the moment people are able to that do that kind of ownership
1: as well. okay okay so that really does open up um mm-hmm. a lot more to those who don't have a meteor. Um, deposit for their own property, um but they've got enough cash to to maybe own one of those units or part you know part of that um,
0: yeah my only my only sort of bit of a warning or a bit of a um i guess sort of talking sort of foresight wise for something like that is to have a look at um, what you're committing to because if it's a development project and i've seen this in development projects is if you're buying a unit for ten thousand dollars it might require you to have further re- further commitment over the next three or five years as the development happens so i've seen one where per unit price were x amount but then you're committing five grand each year for the next two or three years as the development finishes Mm -hmm. right okay so you've got to make sure that you can actually commit to that
1: yeah and you understand all the terms so um i imagine having you know a good solicitor on side looking at the contract and and going through it would be uh really important as well yeah
0: yeah yeah absolutely and i think that's um at the moment that that just just in the future because people tend to you know can thinking it's just an upfront and if it's an already built building um then of, often you won't have that clause but if you're going to a development then often you you know you might see that as well so just make sure you've got that money to be able to commit to all of that
1: okay that's um that's huge they're, they're really really important points for each of those types of properties or ownership investments in property um I really can't thank you enough. That's, you know, everyone listening should have gotten a lot of value from what Helen's shared. And if you need to go back over and listen to this episode again, please do. Um, anything else, Helen, before we wind up?
0: Um, just just one final word regarding cashing out and about sort of um, exit strategy. So ultimately, when you buy any kind of property or investment, doesn't matter if you resident or commercial or business, um, you've got to think about um, the end game think about how you're going to cash out in the future and that's why the ownership and title is so important and the, the how you own it the structure you own it in um, why you even wanted to buy it by that type of property in that in that title um, is important because you've got to think about even if it's in five or ten years time can you easily if you need to access the cash cash out from that property mm. or or ownership structure
1: yeah yeah Basically, is it going to be attractive to another buyer when I need to get out for any reason? Yes. You know, and, you know, can I, can I, is this property going to make it easier for another buyer to jump in or are they going to be held back because of some of its attributes such as um, the company title or the leasehold or something else? Yeah, perfect. Yes. Wow. Huge, thank you so much for your time. Really, really enjoyed um, all this valuable information and can't wait to have you back again soon, Helen.
0: No worries, thank you very much. You've been listening to Commercial Property Cash Flow Podcasts. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please subscribe to this podcast so you do not miss any of my valuable tips and strategies. Now, if you're wanting more detailed education and training, I have a free webinar you can attend. Just click on the link in the show notes and it will take you there. And if you're ready to invest in commercial property with guided assistance and you want to talk to us, book into your free consultation. Find out more about it on HelenTarrant.com. I can't wait to share with you more of my tips and strategies in upcoming episodes. So really make sure you subscribe. This is Helen Tarrant signing off. See you on the Ned podcast.